what if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. So you grow up watching and loving a TV series, then it gets turned into a ginormous blockbuster movie, and you are offered the chance to say one of the iconic lines. That's a dream come true right there. And it happened to Henry Cherney. He's the Canadian actor who played Kittredge in the very first Mission Impossible movie. He'll tell you what it's been like to come back more than two decades later to play Kittredge and work with Tom Cruise again. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. You're listening to Q. There are certain movie lines that are absolutely embedded in pop culture, like, I'll be back or may the force be with you, or the line Henry Cherney said in the very first Mission Impossible movie back in 1996, your mission should you choose to accept it. Iconic line, right? Henry is a Canadian actor. He played Kittredge back in that first film. And that role played a key part in Henry Cherney's story, including introducing him to the biggest possible audience around the world. He's had an amazing career since then, a constant presence in film and TV on stage. But he was pretty excited when he got the phone call 25 years after that original movie to come back and play Kittredge in the latest chapter in the saga. It's called Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Of course, Henry stars alongside Tom Cruise again. So we talked about that. We talked about his breakout role and why he almost said no to Mission Impossible the first time around. And I just want to mention this. The sag after strike is still going on. Actors in that union are not doing any new interviews to promote their work. I talked with Henry Cherney before the strike. Here's our conversation. Henry Cherney, welcome to Q. Absolute pleasure to be here. Absolute pleasure to talk about this film. Yeah, you're terrific in it. So congratulations, first of all. Thanks for saying so. Takes a village and thank you. (laughs) Yeah, village and a village and a village for this film. It's a big one. Well, I want to go back in your experience uh, a long time ago to the very first time that you squared off against Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt. Have a listen to this. You can understand you're very upset. Kittredge, you've never seen me very upset. All right, Hunt. Enough is enough. You have bribed, cajoled, and killed, and you have done it using loyalties on the inside. You want to shake hands with the devil? That's fine with me. I just want to make sure that you do it in hell. From 1996, that was my guest, Henry Cherney, as Eugene Kittredge, Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt in the original Mission Impossible. That is the famous aquarium scene where Ethan blows up in his aquarium to escape Kittredge. Uh, Henry, what goes through your mind when you hear that clip? What a young actor. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm well, well served. Uh, but And that's a young Kittredge, too. It's a Kittredge who is who is easily fired up. This Kittredge is a little different. He's been through that. He's schooled himself. He's been schooled. So his response to things is much more grave and studied, uh, not necessarily less, more dramatic, I would say, but in a different way, less less hot-fused, more mm, grave. Yeah. What stands out in your memory from shooting that very first film? Um, 
or that first Mission Impossible? The first that that scene particularly, uh, uh, the, the Mission Impossible scripts um, are known for their fluidity. At least the last few. They have an outline. They clearly have. They know what they're going to do. But they bring actors in, especially with Chris McQuarrie and Tom. They like to bring actors in, see what they have to offer. They have a character outline and see if the, if the actor brings something more interesting to it. By golly, let's go that way then, provided it stays within the arc of what we're trying to do here. And the first one, uh, clearly, they were trying to. They, they were developing uh, the style of Mission Impossible as they were going. Uh, I didn't know this was going to be a franchise, clearly. Um, and so what I what I remember was the script did change a couple of days before, and Kittredge had a lot to say that changed. So, and I didn't want to, you know, clearly you're on a 70-foot screen. You don't want to be, you don't want to be just remembering lines. So I remember drilling myself, uh, drilling the lines over and over and over again the night before. And Brian De Palma, for some reason or other, uh decided that every word had to I couldn't paraphrase at all so that made for a very difficult but also a very specific scene and I'm grateful for that hurdle that I had to jump because of even though he's a younger actor much younger actor than I am now clearly um it he he he, it required a specificity um that I think helps make the scene work and, and and delivers the exposition uh, more interestingly, yeah, the tension is really is is there, and I, I wanted mean, that's right at Palma's uh, 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 camera angle as well. The that director, helps. yeah, the director. Um, so, I you also had to deliver an absolutely iconic an iconic line in that first film, the line "Your mission, should you choose to accept it." Did that mean something to you at the time? Like, were you a fan of the original TV oh, series? Were you excited? Something to me at the time, I couldn't believe. I could not believe. It was just so weird. It's like, wait a second. I'm from West Toronto. Uh-huh. My my parents are working class. Uh, my brother and I would watch the series. Um, you know, we, we loved it. We loved it. Uh, and here I was given the opportunity to intone uh, those lines. So yeah, I, I I did more than I loved it. I I was over the moon about being able to do that. And of course, I felt the pressure of of servicing that. Uh, and the tricky thing for me was uh, I I because in the series, the voice was very uh, it was announcer like Mr. Phelps. You know your mission should you. And then now we see the guy. So is, does he talk like the weatherman all the time? So it was really weird trying to mix those two things. I mean, silly kind of, you know, whatever. But that was one of the hurdles. I had to jump in like, okay, he's that and that. Is he that officious when he meets Ethan? But there had to be an element of that. So I had to mix those two. And anyway, you get what you get. And lo and behold, we have a franchise that has seven now. And the seventh one is the best. <laughs> I have to ask you, and I hope it's okay to ask you this, like you delivered such an amazing performance in that first one, and then these other films keep coming out. Were you kind of hoping like, oh, I really hope that they bring me back for, for another? No, 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 not at all. Off my radar. Uh, it was great doing the first one, and uh, Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony, came in uh, and played that part in the second one, which I was thrilled about. Yeah, and I've loved all of them, and they've done very. And, and Alec did a terrific job of Hunley, and and uh, frankly, I just came in trying to live up to what they were trying to do, and hopefully, I did that. It was a great deal of fun coming back. Yeah, I'm yeah. bringing weight. More weight to the character. Definitely. Well, I want to talk about Kittredge now in, in just a little bit. But first, I want to go back to what you just said about, you know, 
kid from West Toronto, working class parents, and, and how much it meant to you to be saying those iconic lines at that time. Like, how did that role, how did it change the course of your life or what you thought might be possible for you back then? Uh, well, at that point, I had done Clear and Present, and that was, well, actually, Boys of St. Vincent was the one that made me, that, you know, that that's the one that pulled me along, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I use this analogy where uh, I, I kind of fought being an actor to a certain extent, but but something in my core was not going to stand for that. Uh, so, so lo and behold, this is what I do. This is what this thing does. Uh, so, and I studied it. I was in Montreal for three years. I studied it. I was on stage for, you know, I was in plays for 10 years, class, classical, new plays, uh, all uh, the, the gambit. And uh, I never imagined myself to be an actor in Hollywood. I'm, 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 uh, it's just not my bag. I didn't think so. And, and, and then I found myself in clear and present danger in a blink. And um, then, then Mission Impossible came along, not long after that. And I was in Brazil shooting a film and I hadn't slept and we were shooting nights and it was Copacabana Beach. And I just for some reason or other, I couldn't give Brazilian coffee. I don't know. There's a lot of coffee in Brazil. And so when I got the call, I was not feeling like I could do it. And uh, really. Brian and Tom want you to come and play Kittredge because uh, I auditioned for it. I said, I don't know. They said, no, 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 Henry. I don't care what you think. Wait, You're wh- doing it. Why? Why didn't you think you could? Why didn't you think you could do it? Because I was, I was tired. I was, I, I didn't, I wasn't in a good space, and wow. this requires an incredible amount of acumen if you're in a thing like that you better you better be on your game because you're 70 feet across you know you you better you better be rooted in what you have to offer um so uh so yes you're doing it and so I had time and in that time I went to the CIA I studied up with them I actually because I didn't have time before I did clear and present they gave me a chat about how stuff works and what the deal is and so maybe I'll bring that to this production and I, I came to London with all of that information they said thank you very much but you can put that back in your suitcase this is the film we're shooting so I did put it in my suitcase I put it in my emotional suitcase so Kittredge had that even though it wasn't in the movie so that was all great homework um and uh and so so clear and present pre- prepared me for what was necessary in Mission Impossible. And those two let me know how a Hollywood film is made. That was that was an extraordinary event. Those two were I, the realization that this is an industry mm-hmm. uh, that where generations have been props people, generations have been producers, we have generations of actors. This is... They, they take it very, very seriously. And not that Canadians don't, yeah. not that Australians don't, not that the French don't, but there is, uh, I, I realize the history and the power uh, behind American cinema with those two films. When it comes to taking things seriously, I think it says so much about who you are as an actor that in the moment that you were offered that part, you considered turning something down rather than doing what you thought would be potentially an inferior job. And I wonder... Do you know what do you know what I'm saying? Like that that I didn't you, think I didn't think it was an inferior no, job. No, no, no. I mean that that you were worried that you were not in a state to do the best yeah, that job been, that you yeah, could, yeah, yeah. and that, that you. That's my jam, though. That's my that was my jam at the time because, as I said, this pulled me along. Yeah. My my system knows how to do it, uh, and I, I I trained myself to catch up with my system, uh, but I still had that doubt that, mm, and and that's not unusual for, pardon me, an artist to feel that. So 25 years on, taking on this part again, is that doubt, that that self-questioning still a part of your 
artistic process? It is a little bit, but when ca- when when action's called, uh, I, I don't see that doubt anywhere. Mm-hmm. I actually don't see that anywhere. The job has been over the last few years is to actually step out of the way as much as possible when action is called, uh, let it flow. And Chris McQuarrie was uh, was a fantastic person to work with, uh, given that that has been something I've been uh, exploring because that's what he wants. Bring it, just bring it, just let's keep bringing it. And I'm going to treat it with respect. Whatever you bring us, we're going to treat it with respect. And uh, just, just we'll, we'll do the scene over and over again because Chris wants that. And he'll say, you know, some directors will say, okay, now do one for yourself and you'll do the scene and you think that's it. And then Chris, oh, right, that's cool. So now you've got another 20 takes hmm. on what you just, what just came through you without any direction whatsoever after being directed for a while or, or at least encouraged uh, allowed. Uh, yeah. Tremendous. Hey, I'm Candice Lim. And I'm Rachel Hampton. We're the hosts of ICYMI Slate's podcast about internet culture. And we want to help you make sense of the need to know internet stories of the week. Consider us your internet historians of past, present, and future. Of the good, the bad, and the truly unhinged. From nuanced takes on stories we're all closely following to the ones you wished you heard about. In case you missed it, that's ICYMI, the podcast that's extremely online, so you don't have to be. Follow and listen now. You're listening to Q. I'm speaking to Henry Cherney, who's reprised his role as uh, Eugene Kittredge in the new Mission Impossible. How did you get the call to come back as Kittredge? Like, did this call come out of the clear blue sky you're thinking about? Yeah, no, no, I wasn't thought thinking about this at all. I was in the midst of shredding my my tax documents from two thousand and and one, I think, <laughs> something like that. It's been ten years. Time to get rid of those, and I was and and, and appropriately, I get a call that you're going to be playing, you know, somebody who maybe shreds documents. I don't know, or has <laughs> people shred documents for him. Um, and I thought they were kidding and, uh, no, they're not kidding. Chris McQuarrie would like to talk to you. Yeah. The, yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm going to talk with Chris McQuarrie in a day or two. So, uh, I got a call. We, we set up a call and Chris called me from one of the many bridges in Venice where he was location scouting and, um, let me know that he had wanted to bring Kittredge back for a couple of, um, for a couple of installments. And this is the one he wanted to do it. And uh, would I jump on board and do you have a script kind of, but I'd like you to come and we let's talk about it. Okay. What was it like to step back on set after, after all of this time? Was it, was it like, like meeting an old friend or was it a totally new thing? It would be like meeting an old friend that has been studying and living in a way that you wish you had. Can you say more about that? Yeah. Yeah. It was familiar, but at the same time, there was something to step up to the, the, the franchise has gotten better and better. And, um, there's a sizzle reel that they, that they present to actors who are coming on to the film to let them know what the style is and what they're kind of after. And I've seen sizzle reels before. And this one, and I've watched other actors watch the sizzle reel. You think you know what you're going to see. And within 30 seconds, your breath slows, if not almost stops. And by the end of this four-minute sizzle reel, you are gobsmacked at what you've just become a part of. So the bar is raised. Yeah, A huge part of that is the kind of 
stunt work that Tom Cruise has taken on to do himself in this in this film. I mean, it's it's absolutely mind blowing what he's what he's doing. He learned to ride a motorbike off a cliff and to base jump with a parachute. Um, I have to ask you, like you've you've worked with him now, you you know him well. What do you think it is that drives this man to give everything he has and maybe even risk his life to to make film in this way? His audience. You know, I got that. I mean, he loves doing that stuff because maybe he's got a bucket list. I want to, I want to, you know, t- uh, drive, uh, uh, ride a motorbike off a cliff. Mm. He might have that in his bucket list, but how he does it is for his audience because he can get a stunt person to do it. But there's something. I mean, you've watched the bear. If you've watched the bear, if you watch great filmmaking. There is an element, an analog element to it. I mean, we have digital, we have CGI, that's all great. Um, and it, it works, it's really good. But when you see the person do it, there's something that's transmitted that cannot be transmitted through digital. Yet I would argue, I would, other people will say, no, no, it doesn't matter. I can, well, fine. But what he brings to it, and you know it's him. You know, it, there's no someone playing Ethan now that it's time, you know, do the handoff and you stunt. That's Ethan doing that to a certain extent. And it doesn't allow you to cut away in your mind, uh, which is, you know, some of the long shots that you'll see in some of the, I mean, De Palma was, 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 that was, was known for that as was um, uh, Hitchcock and, 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 and in the bear, uh, 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 Charles of uh, store, you know, some of the stuff he does, it's it's it just keeps you engaged in a way that you wouldn't normally. Yeah, for sure, it's extraordinary. I know and he's, the best. Of course, is on a big screen. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know he's unbelievably focused and determined while he's doing things. But are there any funny stories that you might have uh, of working with him, or anything that happened on set that stands out in your mind in a fun way? Funny stories? Yeah, I mean, um, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I had to ask. No, no, that's great. He does have. He's got a great sense of humor when he's off to do a stunt. I mean, he's done this dozens and dozens of times. He's he's um, he's meticulous about what's about to happen, and, and 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 he studies up on it. And he has great people working with him. Um, but before he goes off, you know, there might be a okay, let's do it, and let's hope we do it. You know, it's, it's, it, it, there is that sense of we're gonna we're gonna right right yeah confidence yes let's go. Uh, and so it's 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 there's no fear involved, but there's also a sense of wowness involved and that's and that's contagious i can't say it's it's quite funny but it is humorous it's thrilling you play you you play more of a, of a business person who's not so much into the stunts but if tom cruise said um you know henry for this scene i need you to get on the back of the motorcycle with me we're going to jump off this cliff together would you say yes yeah <laughs> provided i don't have to drive it and provided the parachute harness is very cushioned I love it. I love it. We just have a minute left here together. And I just want to ask you as we close off, like if you could go back and tell that West Toronto kid who grew up, you know, working class and maybe dreamed a little bit of being an actor, um, what he could look forward to in his career, what would you go back and tell your your younger actor self? That's a great question because I already have an answer and I've already answered that question many times to people. And it, uh, and, and here's my answer. If you had put me, this is back when I was in theater school in Montreal, National Theater School. At that time, if you had put me on a hallucinogenic drip for a week and then asked me to describe what life is like or what will be like, this eclipses that tenfold. So what I would tell that person is trust, 
that this thing knows what it's doing. Enjoy the ride. Hold on to the lap bar or put your arms in the air. It matters not. Straightaways will be there for you to take a breath. Beautifully said. Thank you so much, Henry. Thank you. And congratulations on this film. It's really something. Thanks. You know, sometimes you hear people say they've achieved their dreams and it wasn't nearly as good as they thought it would be. It's so refreshing and wonderful to hear somebody say, actually, it was better. That was my conversation with Henry Cherney, Canadian actor. He plays Eugene Kittredge in the brand new film Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. And we talked before the sag after strike that is still ongoing. And that's it for Q Today. Coming up tomorrow on the show, Linda Schuyler. She co-created the wildly successful Degrassi franchise. Linda will tell you how she went from school teacher to TV executive and what it was like when Drake, or as she likes to call him, my little Aubrey, came in to audition for the show. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. See you next time. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.